Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Well, we're actually continuing a series. I'm really excited about this. It's called Prepared. And we're looking at how we stand when storms come and how we can be prepared. And really, the main verse that we're looking at as we're reading this is Matthew 7. So let's just look, and we're going to read Matthew 7, but before we do, let's just pray. God, we come before you this morning, and our desire is to please you. We're here because we want to know you. We want to know more about you. So God, we just ask you to speak to us by your Spirit. Speak to us this morning. We thank you for your word that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And God, we just open ourselves up. If there's something that needs to be removed, show us so that we can, so that we can be more like you, so that we can be and do all that you have created us to do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so Matthew 7, 24. And this is the main text that we've been reading, basically this entire series, and it's this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now the rain came down, and the storms rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And really, we've been going through this and saying, okay, storms are going to come. And here's the deal. You cannot pray so much, really encouraging, you cannot be so spiritual that you will not experience a storm. Jesus says, in this life, you will have trouble. You're like, okay. Bible says, those who marry, you will have trouble. Congratulations. It's like, it's, it's going to come in one way or another. Jesus was perfect, right? Absolutely perfect, lived a sinless, perfect life, and they killed him for it. That's how much they hated him. Like, you're going to have storms. You cannot be so perfect that you will not have storms, that you will not have people who dislike you and make trouble for you and no. And if you have a neighbor, then you've, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, we have storms. We have these things in our lives. They're going to be there. But how can we go through them and go through them well? That's what we want to do is we want to go through them really, really well. And really, storms, storms are something that really kind of, they, they can be a revealer of who we really are. Maybe you've heard it said, like, you really don't know somebody until you tell them No because you kind of get to know them. I think a good idea would be, if you really want to get to know somebody, is drop their phone and see how they respond. Like, you'll know what's important to them really, really quickly. Because most of us, we don't just come out and really just say it. Not, not most of the time anyways. However, my grandma, um, my, my dad's mom, was, she's, she's gone now, but right there towards the end, she was getting a little bit mean. Like, like, like just, a, just a little bit mean, and she was, she was living with my folks, and we were all over there for a family thing, and one of the cousins was outside, and in the landscaping, found like an ornamental duck, and apparently it was grandma's duck, and I don't know where it came from or anything about it, but it was a duck, and there was like, it was in the landscaping, so of course the little kid's going to pick it up, and so he's playing with the duck. Well, grandma sees, 
and she's in her chair, and she gets up out of the chair. She's got a cane, and she just comes right over to him, and he, she goes, that duck is so much more important than you are, and picks up her cane and gets ready to whack one of the cousins. And I think it was um, my sister's son because she ran over and, like, caught the cane from grandma's hand and was just like, and she's just this little thing, and she's like, and she just lit into grandma, like, things are not more important than people. And grandma's arguing, that duck is more important than he is, and blah, 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 and just going back and forth and back and forth. And you're like, grandma. And she, she really was kind of fun. She thought I was the lawn boy because I mowed the lawn. And she's like, oh, okay, you, can you do this for us? It was, it was really, really fun. But most of us, we really don't get out and just say, I think this is more important than people, or things are more important than people. We, we usually try to put... Um, Kind of, kind of show people our best, right? We go on a date and we try to look nice, right? And we're like, okay, and smell nice and all those things. And it's like, okay, this is, this is, this is a good thing. We go on a job interview. We do the same thing. We try to put our best foot forward. We, we want to put our best out there. But here's the thing about storms. Storms show our worst. Or... or and maybe the worst really isn't the best way of putting that. Storms really show us for who we are. Proverbs 24.10 says it this way. If you falter in times of trouble, how little is your strength? See, we can look good when there's nothing bad going on. I don't have a temper. Just don't disagree with me. <laughs> right? We, we can look good, but the storms are what really show us. It, it's in those situations when the phone drops, when something goes wrong, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, and you, that really show us who we are. It shows us how strong we really are, how strong our convictions are. If we falter in times of trouble, how little is our strength? And really, I kind of think of mountain biking because most things I relate to mountain biking. And it just, it just kind of happens that way. But there's these people that we call, we call posers. And I call them parking lot princesses, actually. But I didn't know if you'd quite understand that. But here's what I mean by a parking lot princess is you pull in and they're there. And they've got their bike rack costs more than my bike. And then they've got this bike on the bike rack that matches their helmet, which matches their socks, which matches their shorts, sorts. I don't know what those are, but it's a biking term. No, not really. But it matches their shorts and it matches this. And they have this whole getup and they have everything that they need in this really nice, super light, great bike. And they get out on the trail and they're just like over bumps and they don't know what they're doing or they're saying things like carbon shouldn't be ridden on dirt. And, you know, you're just, you're like, oh my goodness, it's a parking lot princess. They have no idea how to ride. Like they might look it, but they, they just do not have it. And we don't want to be that because in storms, we need to be prepared, not just looking good when things are okay and being like, yeah, 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 everything's good, but we need to be able to stand and what really shows or brings out or brings to light our faith or lack thereof, our resolve or lack thereof is when something goes wrong, is when those storms come. That's what we want to do. And I think of it a bit like a sponge. Babe, could you grab that water thing there? We, if you saw that, we didn't just forget to clean something up. But could you bring that up here to me? Thank you so much. This is, I think of it kind of like this sponge. I got some water here. Oh, look at this water there too. It's gone. All right. 
So I think of it kind of like the sponge. So here, get a little bit of water. Is there soap in there? What'd somebody do? No. Here's what we got. We got the sponge. And right now, everything's okay, so it's just a sponge, and you can't really tell what's in it or not in it, but it's just there. But when, thank you so much, but when pressure comes, what happens? What's in the sponge comes out. And we decide what is in and what's going to come out when pressure comes. We really do. We decide what it's going to be. Matthew 12, 35 says this, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil out of the evil stored up in him. This really makes me think of Bible college. In Bible college, every one of our teachers, every one of our professors, everybody read from the King James Bible. And if you're familiar with it, it's great. But if you're not, there's a lot of these, thous, thus, this, thums, and things, and, and it can be kind of confusing. And I remember, I'm sitting there, and I'm actually, I was at work, so I wasn't even at school. I'm at work. I, was, I worked at a hotel at the time. I did audiovisual, and I was running around doing some stuff. And I'm in the elevator, and I remember all of a sudden, I caught myself thinking in King James. And I'm like, oh, I am out of touch. Like, what in the world? Like, what is this? I'm thinking King James. But here's the reason why. Because every day, you want to know what I was around? I was around King James. This is what I was around. I was around it. Everybody was speaking it. They were listening to it. We were studying it. We were looking at it. And without even thinking about it, without trying, I began to, I caught myself thinking King James. And it wasn't even something that I really wanted to do. I would rather not think and talk King James because it just doesn't seem to be really great. I was like, I'm going to this really hoping to work with youth. I don't think that's really going to help me connect. Like, thou hast thus said, it, it's, it's not going to be there. Like, this isn't what I want. But because I was around it, because it's what I was putting in, that's what comes out. Because that's what I was putting in, that is what comes out. So the question is, what are you putting in? because it's going to come out. And here's what we can do. We can look good. We can look good, and we can hide the little things and then just kind of like most of the time. But when storms come, that's when the pressure's on, and all of a sudden, what's in us comes out. That's the person that blows up, the phone drops, and the words that they say, and we say, I really don't want to say that, and the things that comes out, and somebody gets mad, and we lose our temper. And you ever notice that, that even the word that we use for that, like, I just, I kind of lost it. Like, what did you, what do you mean you lost it? We, we, we give up so much trying to think of the other person. We say, well, I lost it. I, I lost my temperature, my temper. I lost control, whatever it would be. But what we put in is what is going to come out. And the best thing when I think of storms is number one is we need to know what we are putting in because it's going to come out. It's going to come out of us. So be putting in what you want to come out. If you want to be a peaceful, loving, forgiving person, then let's be putting that in. Let's be, okay, God, I am going to be peaceful. Let's hang out with some peaceful people. I said, what can I do? How, how can I do this? And I understand there's some things that you, you cannot change. I've worked on job sites where they don't know how to talk without four-letter words, and you're like, I don't even understand what you're saying. I have been there. 
I have been there. It, it, and I, it just blew my mind. One time in particular, I was walking down the hallway. I was in this big job site. It was this big building being built. And I just hear, and it wasn't an alarm. That's like me because it was words and I make noises instead of saying them. It was so bad. I walk up and I was actually hiding around the corner listening to these guys. And I'm like, I need to video this. No one is going to believe. Like, I cannot believe how much they're saying what they're saying. Like, it doesn't even make sense. Like, every three words, they said something intelligible. Everything else was F and S, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I do understand that there are times where you're like, this is just, this is my environment and this is where I am and how am I supposed to not put that stuff in? And let me just say what you can do in those situations and what definitely does happen is we stand out when we don't just do what everybody else does. I'd be on a job site for a week, sometimes even less, and they'd be like, this is the guy that doesn't swear. And some of them are like, we're going to get you. One of these days, we're going to get you to swear. We're going to get you, preacher boy. We're going to get you. And they didn't even know I was a preacher. There was just, seriously, it was just a matter of, oh, we're, we're going to get you. But you will stand out. So the number one thing is, what are you putting in? Because it's going to come out in storms. And the number two is, I'm a firm believer in having the right tool for the job. And basically, I, I subscribe to the saying that any job worth doing is worth buying a tool to do well. Can I get an amen from anybody? <laughs> like, yes, like, whatever it is, I need that tool. And really, that sank in for me. Um, years ago, I was working on our car. And I'll probably lose some of you, but basically, I was replacing a control arm, and I had a bushing that I couldn't get out, which is, it, it had come apart, so it was like a pipe, that was inside a pipe, and I needed to get that little piece of pipe out, and I could not get it out. And it was up in the car, because nothing's accessible in a car. Nothing is easily accessible. So it's up there, and I'm bloody knuckles, and I've, I've done everything I can. I've literally tried to get this piece out for like three hours, and I'm, I can't get a hammer up in there, and I got screwdrivers, and I'm bending them, and, and like trying to use them that way, and I'm, I'm trying to make a tool to get this out. I took apart a hacksaw, and I, and I reassembled it inside there, but I could only move it like that, and so I couldn't cut through it, like wasn't working. I'm like, yeah, and I'd worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked on this, and I could not get this piece out, and I'm like, oh my goodness, and I call my uncle, which is the car guy who he's like, this is what you do. I call him when I can't figure something out. He's like, oh, you just got to get it out. I'm like, you're not helpful at all. I know that. I've been doing that for hours, and he's like, yeah. Do you have an air chisel? And I go, no. And he goes, go get one. I'm like, okay. So I go, and I get an air chisel. Just this little tiny thing, looks almost kind of like a gun, but it, it's just got a little chisel that just goes tut, 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 really fast. And I'm like, okay. So I go get that, and honestly, I had spent no less than three hours trying to get this thing out. And I take this air chisel, and I put it up in there, and I went like this, and it was done. The piece was out. I was so happy I could have cried. And I was just like, ah, ah, I wasted so much time, and what happened? And it's gone, and it's out, and did I break something? It happened so fast and so easy. I was like, something had to have broken, and I look up, and I'm like, it's right. This is what I needed, and I put the new one in, and it goes all back together. And I was like, I will never try to do something without the right tool again. Like, I will not do it. And seriously, 
We were like, Beck's like, I really like this table. Can you build me a table? I'm like, yes, but I'm buying a saw to do it. She's like, really? I'm like, yes, I am. A track saw. I need it. I want it thick. So we're going to get this really nice one. She goes, that one will work. I said, it will, but it's half the price. I need this one. She's like, do it. So I get projects done, and we really don't save money, but I get really nice tools out of them. <laughs> really, really nice tools. And it makes a difference. The guys are like, we came the right week. We did. Yes, you did. You need a tool to get it done. But let me just say, the tool that we need in storms is God's Word. That is the right tool. And you can try something else, and you can sit there for days, and you can do everything else. And yes, I'm a firm believer in doctors. Go to see a doctor. Do what you can. Absolutely. But the tool that we need is God's Word. That is the tool that we need. It is the right tool for every storm. It really is. It is the universal one because here's the thing. There are things that we need to do. We talked about that before, but about in, in Matthew 7, that really is what it was talking about, is being a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. But here's the thing. There is a time when we can't do anymore. God's word is that tool that we need and we shouldn't wait and use it as a last resort. Way too often you hear people say, well, now all I can do, all that's left is to pray. And that's where you should have started. That's really where you should have started. But God's word is the right tool for whatever it is that we're doing. Proverbs 18, 21, the power of life and death is in the tongue. Now, that's just talking about our words. That's not talking about God's word. That's just talking about the power of our words. God's word is so much more powerful. Mark eleven twenty three. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. There's a time when we can no longer do, and we need to make sure that we are using that tool that's given us, which is God's word. Years ago, uh, Molly, this is a story about Molly. She's 11 now. At the time, how old was she? She was 12 weeks old, and she was in the bathroom with Becca, and Becca turned around and heard, and she had been on the counter, and she fell off the counter and landed face first on tile like this. And so I come home, and Beck's like, ah, and I'm like, she's going to be okay. And Beck's like, okay, but ah, and I'm like, she's going to be Okay. And the verse that came to me was, and he will command his angels concerning you, that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And I'm like, or face against tile. Like, that, that fits. Like, this, this is what we're standing on. God's word says with long life, he will satisfy us. She is going to live. She is fine. This 12 weeks is not long. She's going to be okay. And we prayed over her. But there was nothing for us to do, which is the worst, because I'm a doer. Give me something that I can do because I'll do it or I'll die trying. Like, give me something that I can do. But it's like, no, there, there was nothing left to do, but we're going to stand on God's word. And we're like, okay, you know, she, she's crying, which is a good thing, and she's seeming to be good. And Beck's like, I'd really like it if you'd take her to urgent care, take her to the hospital. I said, okay. So we took her in. And, and I take her in, and the doctor comes in. He's like, what happens? And I tell him, he's like, okay. And, and he lays Molly down. 
and she's 12 weeks, 12 weeks old, and it begins to just kind of like squeeze her arms. And he squeezes his arm, and he's kind of like just pretty soft, he's squeezing legs, and he's just kind of going over. And he's like, no, what happened? And I said, no, she was on the counter, and she fell off, and she landed on her face. And then he goes to her face, and at first he's just being really gentle, just, just barely touching her face. And then he's kind of like pushing a little bit. And then you can kind of like see he's really pushing. And she's just sitting there. And then he pushes a little bit more, and he's grabbing the nose, like, well, the nose and stuff. And, and he's, he's moving this all around. And then he looks at me, and he's like, now, were you there? Did you see this? And I said, no, I didn't. And he's like, okay, um, does, does your wife drink? And I'm like, water? Um, he's like, hands me back Molly, and he goes, this baby didn't fall. And I said, okay, thanks. And we went out of there. I know she fell. But I absolutely wasn't going to argue with him. <laughs> hey, that's great. But there's times where we cannot do anything, and we're doing is done. And we need to know God's Word. It is the right tool for the job. Ephesians 6.13 talks about the armor of God, how we stand and fight. And this is what it says. We're going to just read, starting in verse 13. Is therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. And that's what we want. Like after the battle, I want to be standing. That's the result I want. Verse 14, stand your guard, put it on the breast, put it on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith that stops the arrows of the devil. Verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the sword of the Spirit. Everything in that list was defensive, except the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And when it says Word, that literally means the rhema of God. And here's what that is. That is the spoken Word of God. We need to speak God's Word, not just know it, not just hear it, but there's something that happens when we speak God's word. We talk about this quite a bit. We were made, you were made in God's image. And the Bible says in Genesis that God spoke and the world came into being. You were made in God's image. When you speak, we are exercising authority. And when we speak God's word, it's literally, it is this offensive weapon that we have. Because storms are going to come, so we need to know what God's word is, and we need to speak it. Not just, it's not okay to think it. That's great, but you need to speak God's word. You need to speak it. You really, really do. I heard about a married couple. They've been married for 20 years. And his wife was like, they, they were, found themselves in counseling. And she's like, oh, I, just, I just don't know if he loves me. It's just, and she's just crying. And he looks over at her and he says, I told you on our wedding day I loved you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> Doesn't really work. You need to speak it. We understand. We need to say it more than on your wedding day and let them know if anything changes. God's word, we need to speak. It's not okay to know it. For it to be active, literally, this, this, what it says here, 
What it says here is the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. It literally is the spoken word, not the read word, not the written word. This isn't about having your Bible or having it in your pocket or knowing it. It's not about you hearing it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to be having that. But you have to speak the word of God. We do it and there's power. We speak and that gives power to God's word. We need to speak. You need to know it. But you cannot speak something that you do not know. It's just plain and simple. You can't do it. You can't do it. It does not work. Any time we have to know what it is and we need to speak it. So the time to really be soaking in that up is now. So that like that sponge, when the pressure comes, we've been reading God's Word. We've spent time in God's Word, and we are ready. So when this comes, we say, oh, you know what? I'm going to pray. Yes, I am. I know what to stand on. I know what this is. I'm going to speak God's Word. Hosea 4, 6 says this. It says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We need to know how to use God's Word. We need to know what God's Word has, has to say about a situation in our lives. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. God's like, I've made all this available, but they're not utilizing it. A gun can be a great thing. It can defend a country. It can deter a thief. But in the wrong hands, it can be a horrible, horrible thing. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. If you do not know how to use it, it can be dangerous. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If we're not using God's word, head knowledge, and we can know it all that we want, but if we're not standing up and resisting the devil and saying, you're gonna, you have to leave. No, he's going to, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. My God provides all of my needs according to his riches and glory, and we're going to get this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God will never leave me. No, I am not alone in this. We can do it, but we have to use God's word. We absolutely have to use it. We need to understand the power that it has. We need to understand God's word. Years ago, when I, when I graduated Bible college, I was, I was coming home, and I'm all done, and a buddy of mine was traveling back with me. Brian was traveling back with me, and at the time, we both had Toyota Celicas. I don't know why. They weren't cool then. They're not cool now, but we both had Toyota Celicas, okay? And we're coming back from Oklahoma, this will be important later. So we're coming back. We both have cars. They both have Michigan license plates. They're both Toyota Celicas, and we're coming back. And on the way back, I'm driving, and about St. Louis, my car starts to make this weird noise. And I'm like, well, that's not good. And so it's getting louder and louder. And I'm like, oh, no. So we kind of pull over, and I'm like, Brian, what, what do you think this is? And he comes up, and he's like, where's the noise coming from? I'm like, up here. So he, he goes up to my, my driver's front tire, and he grabs the tire by the side, and it goes, boop, 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 boop. He's like, oh, that's a wheel bearing. I'm like, ah. Uh. And as I recall, it was like a Sunday. I'm like, nothing's going to be open. I'm like, what do you think I should do? And he's like, well, just try not to make it make that noise. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, okay, because in my mind, I'm like, well, the noise is probably friction, and that's bad, so we, we keep going, and, 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 and so we take off again, and what I figure out is if I'm turning, it doesn't make the noise, so I'm like, so basically, if I kind of drive like this, it barely, it goes, mm, mm. so I'm like, I got it down, so I figured I could go about 60 mile an hour, and I could weave. 
And that seemed to be like the best and the least amount of noise. So in St. Louis, I start driving 60 mile an hour and weaving slowly. In my lane, just kind of back and forth, back and forth. And we just kind of take off. And I'm like, all right, here we go. And oh, was it a trip. Okay, it was most definitely a trip. I remember one corner I came around, a guy who had passed me. I had people, so I'm on a three-lane highway. I'm in the slow lane because I'm going slow. I have people passing me on the shoulder of the left lane. I'm like, really? I've never left my lane, ever. Anyways, so one of the times I come around a corner, and one of these guys that had passed me on the far, far shoulder whips across all of this traffic, and there was a police officer who had somebody pulled over, and he whips in behind the police officer, and I see the police officer jump back and go for his gun. The guy jumps out of his car and is pointing at me (laughs) as I go by, and I'm like, oh, great, (laughs) as I'm just kind of weaving, right? I'm just doing this, just back and forth and just going about 60 miles an hour. I'm I'm just cruising. Well, Brian and I are traveling together, so we stop, and... um, we, to get some food, and he's like, hey, you drive so slow. You go, I'll catch up with you. I said, okay. So we get some food, and we get back going again. Well, about two hours later, I still haven't seen Brian, and I'm just, you know, doing my 60-mile-an-hour weave back and forth, back and forth, and I pass a cop. Um, I'm like, oh, okay. And the next little turnaround, there's like two cops, and then they all, they pull out. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I look behind me and I'm like, I can only see one, but oh, well. And I'm like, I'm not speeding. I know I'm not speeding. And I'm just doing this, like still doing this thing. And all of a sudden, 4th of July goes on behind me. Lights just, and the whole expressway is lined and there's 15 cop cars. I'm like, I'm in a Toyota Celica. How many people are you in? Anyways, 15 cop cars. I get pulled over. And I am just like, oh my goodness, because here I am in my little Toyota Celica on my way back from college. It's packed. Everything I own is inside this car. I'm in this little bubble that I can sit in. The seat was a little too forward forward for me, and I had like hollowed out a hole so I could see my mirror over here. And they pull me over, and I'm like, everything I own is going to be on the side of the road in three minutes. Like, it's like, what in the world? So I roll down my window, I turn off the car, I turn on the dome line, I put my hands like up on the steering wheel, and the first police officer comes up, and then all of a sudden, before he even gets there, my whole car is surrounded by cops. And I'm like, really? And all of a sudden, the cop comes up to my car, puts his hand on my window, sticks his head in and goes, how you doing? I just popped my ear, holy cow. And I'm like, I'm doing good, how are you doing? And he's like, you been drinking? And I go, no, I have not. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, my wheel bearing seems to be going out. And when I do this, it seems to like, not make as much noise. I'm like, I'm hoping to make it back to Michigan. And the guy looks at me and he goes, then do you want to tell me? He goes, we have gotten over 100 complaints about a Michigan license plate, Toyota Celica, driving over 100 miles an hour and passing people on the shoulder. And I'm sitting there thinking, I have no idea what Brian's been doing. I said, but that is definitely not me. I said, I can't go over 60. And I said, and I'm not really leaving my lane. He goes, well, why would we get all of these these calls? I said, honestly, I said, because I think people thought I was drunk and they recognized that that was bad and they wanted me off the road. And he goes, can I search your car? I'm just like, oh my goodness. 
I said, you can look, you can touch, but don't move anything. And he says, okay. So I get out of the car and I get back and he just kind of looks in there and there's all these other officers and suddenly like one car leaves and another one leaves and another one leaves and there's still time and another one leaves and I'm talking with them and uh, they said, all right, hey, you're, you're, you're free to go. And I said, really? A hundred calls? And the guy goes, oh, at least, at least. And I just kind of laughed. But here's the thing. People recognized, over a hundred people called and complained because they recognized something that was dangerous. But something that we rarely recognize as dangerous is the words that we use. And I think that's the most dangerous are the things that we don't recognize the power that they have. They're, they're, they're passing me in the far lane trying to get around because they recognize something was wrong. Our words, the Bible says, have the power of life and death. And when we speak God's word, it has amazing, amazing power. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue is the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. We need to be careful what it is that we're saying because it's not just about, yes, we need to speak God's word. But the second thing is that there are things that we need to not say because our words have power. Our words have power. We need to be slow to speak and quick to listen and not just say, oh, it's going to be this. It's going to be that. It's this again. I'm getting sick. It's going to be so bad. They're never going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Ah! You laugh, but how often do we catch ourselves doing that? Where we say, and we just spit out the worst possible scenarios. Instead of saying, you know what? There's a lot of stuff going on. But by his stripes, I am healed. I'm going to get through this. My family, we are going to get through this. We're going to speak God's word. We need to be careful about what we say and make sure that what we're saying lines up with God's word. There are things, please, please know, our words are so powerful. Don't just flippantly say anything, especially, especially just all the time. Forget about just when you're in a storm, all the time. Here's what we need to make sure that we're doing is we need to know what are we filling up with because that is what is going to come out. Our words are powerful. So there's things that we need to not say. And the things that we need to say are God's word. We need to say it. And the way that we're going to have that, the way that we're going to be able to do that is by having time that we're spending with God. I never like to preach a message without having something that's like, this is what we need to be doing. And here it is. If you do not have a regular quiet time, and I'm not talking about like lay down quiet, but like, like time that you're spending with God, devotion time on a regular daily basis, you need one. You need one. I heard this years ago and I absolutely love it. And it applies so well right here. And it's this. This guy's talking about, he was talking about health, but it applies absolutely to this. And he said, I'm going to do today what others won't, so tomorrow I can do what others can't. And if you'll spend that time to daily be in God's Word, to daily, and here's the thing, I understand. I do not have this. I do not have every time I open the Bible, I'm like, oh, I start singing angels singing, it's like amazing. 
Words jump out of the pages, things like, no. Most of the time, I'm just reading. And as a discipline, I take markers and I've got little pens that I use with me and I highlight different things and I underline different things in different colors so that I can find them if it speaks to me. I put question marks in my Bible. I'm like, what does this even mean? I'm like, I need to look at that later. I put question marks. I'm like, I don't understand. I need more context. I need more about it. But it is not always this big mind-blowing thing. Rarely. There are times that it is. I've told the story, like I read, we do Proverbs every day, we do them as a family, not every day, but almost every day. I read my Proverbs or I listen to it every day. And as when we were thinking about and praying about before we launched this church, it was a big move for us. And God, we want to know that we're doing this right. And I'd looked at, at, at the path that the things that we had followed and he had had us doing. I'm like, God, this just doesn't make sense. I'm like, this does not make sense to me. But it was in just that daily reading I was reading through Proverbs, and I read Proverbs, I believe it's Proverbs 20, 24, and it said this. It said, if the Lord directs a man's steps, how can he understand his own way? And I was just like, okay, God, drop the mic, you're done. Like, yes, I'm going to trust you. If I'm trusting you, it doesn't have to make sense to everybody else. And now we look back and we're like, that was exactly what we needed to make and to connect relationships and put things in place and to set things up for the success that God wanted us to have. It was in that, 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 that the big question that I had, it was found just in that daily discipline of this is what we're going to do and we're going to read. So much of the end result that we want can be achieved through daily discipline. And spiritually, standing in these storms and, and getting to the other side really comes from a daily discipline of being in God's Word and a weekly, at least, discipline of being in church. If this isn't the church for you, find one that is. But you need to be in church. You need to be growing and getting around people who are challenging you and helping you to grow and to be better and to be and do all that God has for you. It's in those daily disciplines that the result of that is the thing that everybody wants. We want to hear God's voice. We want to recognize God's voice. How do you recognize somebody's voice? By spending time with them. Plain and simple. You spend time with somebody, you know their voice. I remember one time I answered the phone for my dad as a kid. I answered the phone, and the uh, guy says, hey, can I talk to your dad? I said, sure. And I go over to my dad, and I said, hey, it's Bernie. And I give him the phone. And he picks up the phone, and he goes, Bernie, what's going on? Because that's how he talks. And Bernie is on the other side of the phone. He goes, how did you know it was me? Did God tell you that I was going to call you? And he goes, no, my son told me it was you. And he's like, ah, how did he know? And I'm like, I recognize his voice. If you want to recognize God's voice, you have to spend time. You want to know. You say, I need direction. I want him to speak to me. I, I can't tell when it's him and when it's not. Then spend time with God. And you will. You'll hear his voice. You'll recognize his voice. You'll learn to tune it out. You'll learn to tune it out of the crowd and to be like, I guess the word would be tune it in. And be like, I can hear it amongst all of this. I'm amazed at, we get together with friends and there'll be all these little kids running around. We've got five and most of our friends have a bunch of kids and kind of some of the age and it's just fun. And all of a sudden you'll hear one mom be like, oh, that's my kid's cry. And you're like, what? I don't have that ability, but Becca does. And they're just like, oh, yeah, this is, yep. oh, that's an okay cry. Oh, no, they're really hurt this time. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I heard the same thing. Anyways, but they tune it in because they're spending so much time together. So much of the spiritual discipline I think so many of us want 
the, the results that we want spiritually can be had through daily discipline. Through saying, God, I'm going to be faithful in church. I'm going to be in a small group. I'm going to be doing it. I'm going to be plugging in. And we can do that. Because our desire is for every single person to be and do, every one of you to be and do all that God has for you. But I know that storms are going to come. And I want you to be standing on the other side of them. And number one is you don't have to go through them alone. So please don't. Don't go through them alone. Talk to somebody. You're in a small group. Awesome. You're not. Come talk to us. We'd love to help in any way that we can. But we need to know, what are we putting in? Because that's what is going to come out. And then we need to be speaking God's word. Not just know it. You've got to say it out loud. You might, you might be like, but there's nobody in the room and this is weird. Good. Do it. It is okay. There doesn't need to be anybody in the room. You say it and you say it out loud. I've said it in doctor's offices. I've said it in, said it in emergency rooms. I've said it in cars. You just, you just say it wherever I am. Like, this is what it is. If it offends you, that's fine. I'm going to say this. I need to do this. I'm going to speak God's word into our situations. But we're not going to be able to do that if it's not already in us. It's not going to be able to do it if it's not there. So let's have that spiritual discipline. So if you do not yet have that, do it, please. Please do it. If you have never, here's a great thing that I think every one of us should have. If you have a smartphone and you haven't yet, then today download the YouVersion Bible app. It's free. It's awesome. It's produced by Life Church out of Oklahoma. It's amazing. And it will read the Bible to you while you're driving. If you're doing something like, hey, I just want to put it in there. Um, if I can't sleep, I turn on the Bible. I put, hey, this is what I want to listen to. And it's usually New Testament. But we turn it on and say, okay, let's, let's listen to some Bible. Um, it will read it to you. You can say, hey, I want to get my Proverbs of the day. You can get it in there. You can do notes that way. You can share. There's reading plans in there that can help you if you're like, I'm kind of new to this. But just begin. And it's okay if you do not feel amazed, like, oh my goodness, it just all of a sudden made a difference. It will over time. And when that storm comes, you're going to be ready for it. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.